Welcome to issue 174 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Bill, a.k.a. the Radioactive Board Game Lawyer, and joining me this evening is one of my fellow minions, Maka. How you doing, Maka? I'm doing good, Bill. I'm just enjoying one of my uh, expired super soldier serums mm. here. How are you doing tonight? What flavor is it? Um, green? Okay, yep. I don't do green, so I'll let you take that one. So I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking, Maka. And we are also... Joined by our fearless leader, Steve. Steve, how you doing tonight? Hey, Bill. Hi, Mika. How's it going? Doing great. Yeah, doing great. Yeah, I mean, we wow. got a little uh, change up of the crew tonight. Yeah. Daniel and Mike have been locked up in the basement. And, uh, huh. you know. This is such a nice room. I'm, I, I, I've never been in here before. It's, hmm. it's so rat-free. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just glad not to be sitting on a bucket this time. Uh, well, it is Minion Appreciation Day, so, you know, right. here you guys are. Ah, gifts? Uh, uh-huh. No, no. The gift is, you know. <laughs> Your presence. You get to be upstairs. Every day of working here is a gift. Yeah. That's right. How's that possum tail working out for you, Mika? You know, it, it fell off uh, a couple days uh-huh. ago. Um, your new one did, on the bright side, did give me super strength. Unfortunately, oh. it also gave me brittle bones, so. Hmm. Was, well, we'll keep trying. I was wondering what that tail over there with the two band-aids on it was all about. Now I know. Sorry, I'll clean that. I'll clean that up. No, no, not tonight. We got we have guys that do that. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Tonight, you guys are you know you're upstairs. You're part of the main show, and uh, we're gonna you know let's let's not worry about being minions. Let's just be equals for tonight. So. All right, good. Well. Hey. I could start by asking you, Steve, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, I get to do it. Yeah, good. I like this locking Daniel up. Uh, well, it's not a what, but a who. It's Meek. We know Meek. Hmm. Or uh, D-O-H-K-1014 on Discord. Yeah. And he asked us a really interesting question. So he says, hey, all Y'all mentioned something interesting about the inheritors showing up to the Sinister Six scenario. What do y'all think about having modular sets where the minions are at odds with the villains along with the heroes? Not sure if you've played Sentinels of the Multiverse, but the environment cards have minions that will just attack whoever has the lowest health, hand size, etc. I have never played that. Have you guys played Sentinels of the Multiverse? No, it's on my list, but I've never gotten around to it. I actually paid for it, downloaded it, and never played it, to my shame. So... But I, it's okay. on the list, yeah, like like Maka, on the list. All right. I didn't even know that it was a downloadable game. I thought maybe it was some sort of board game. Yeah, it, um, it's a card game, but you, there's an app for it, just like every other oh, okay. game they're starting to put out on, on an app. So, no, I never got a chance to play it, but I've always, it's one of those things. Yeah, I think what happened was Marvel Champions came along, and I just shoved <laughs> it aside, and, were, and that's what happened. So That's a good move, good move there. Yeah. Um, Oh, the question is pretty interesting, and I have given it a little bit of thought. Um, I was thinking, like, how how could this work, right? Does this make sense thematically, that sort of stuff? But I was thinking, like, if we had a specific modular set that when it comes out, 
creates an additional loss condition for the heroes, and that loss condition would have to do with the minions that are in the set doing something um, of their own accord, right? Like, like he says, maybe this specific minion will always attack any character with the lowest health, or it goes after the villain, or if it it will uh, it'll thwart and it collects that threat, and eventually if it collects enough threat, it wins. Um, something along those lines where it's yeah. bad guys doing their own thing, or mercenaries doing their own thing, and they're sort of in the way, and that would force the heroes to like fight on two fronts or jump in front of defend for the villain against this minion that's attacking. Wow. You know, because oh. you see that sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, so. or it could kind of mess up your plans as a hero if things happen in a certain order or whatever. So, right. yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I was thinking maybe something that to add to what's already out there, whatever what already exists, or maybe even up up a villain to a different uh, different way of looking at him. Like for example, I was thinking like um, if you had this modular set that was all a bunch of Lokis. They're all variants. Now we, I know we've got the variant Loki, basically in the uh, as a villain, but you could have like everybody's kind of been asking for a different Loki. Have like a Loki mod. It's got an alligator Loki or a kid Loki or old man Loki or a woman, Loki. Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to vie for that spot, that top spot throughout the game too. So, and then maybe replace it and maybe even be stronger or add something that's going to harm the hero somehow like cause all of his upgrades to get discarded or something, something along those lines. But you know, that I was just thinking of maybe variants. Any ideas, Mac Mika? Yeah. So I was thinking about this. Um, my first thoughts were going to, um, either something like the brood or maybe the scrolls or something where it replaces minions and allies because the brood, um, from the X-Men lore, you know, they're these space bugs that infect people to turn them into more brood. And of course the scrolls are the scrolls replacing people. So they just kind of come up and just replace somebody with, you know, the highest hit points or the lowest hit points or something like that. And whether that's an ally or a, a minion or something, and then they just keep churning themselves out and you just get uh, potentially inundated with, with a third party minion, mm. That that doesn't care about the main villain scheme or the or the heroes. Yeah, and in that case, it's like if there are too many of them out, you've both lost. The villain has mm-hmm. lost, the heroes lost, that kind of thing. Which is, we have somewhat precedent for this kind of idea with the Dark Phoenix Nemesis, right? Mm. Yeah, where if that you know they could just like end the world, so you have to deal with that mm. as well as the villain, um, an additional loss condition. I think that's kind of kind of some interesting game space that could be explored yeah. with the with the right theme i think yeah. So. yeah interesting this came up on a night when a couple of villains are missing right so minions at odds with the villains right so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. actually uh, i think mike uh recorded his answer to this question hey hey back from spot world hi meek thanks for the question okay so what if minions slash villains attacked each other okay as a modular set i think that would be hard to do just from a game balance perspective but there are some very interesting opportunities here those goody two shoes heroes like to protect everyone be it friend or foe so if you had a scenario where there was a villain two groups of villains against each other 
the hero would try to break it up. The hero would maybe intervene and do what they want to do, but if, they, if they're, say, temporarily allying themselves with one uh, villainous group and that villain tries to you know, do the death blow against the other. You've all seen this movie before, right? Right about the death blow, the hero says, no, no, you can't kill him, you got to spare him. I can see that being a scenario. And I think that would be really cool. As a modular, that could be very interesting. And I'm not sure how that would play out unless, unless the whole goal was to take a harder villain and make it easier. I think this is worth exploring. No, really, this is, that's a great idea, Meek. Um, I'm not sure it's very, very villainous of you, well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it depends on who's beating up who. I got to think about this. Thanks for the chat. And away I go. That's Mike's thoughts on the matter. I like uh, I like how Meek highlights the inheritors when you guys covered that. I, just to kind of shout out to Mike, um, I really, really enjoyed that episode. I, I didn't have any interest at all in the inheritors going in. And the way that he explained that, I don't, I don't know if it was true or not. If he just made all that up. But... <laughs> You know, it it sounded really good, and it made me want to read the comics. So uh, I thought he did an awesome job with that, and I told him that. Yeah, we we only played that false lore gag once on Daniel. Okay, uh, I'm I'm just going back and so. wondering now. You know, are all my hopes and dreams shattered by fiction? Okay, no, so. no, no. Um, also, uh, Meek, he's like one of the OG minions, isn't he? He's he's there for like from the beginning, before yeah. me even. Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's always asking questions and things for us. So thanks, Make Good question. Keep yeah. them coming, folks. But, I mean, we could talk about this stuff all night, but we're not here just to do that, right? We're going to talk some other stuff. So, Mako, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, tonight we're taking a look at the Sinister Assault modular encounter set. And this one is part of the Sinister Motives campaign box. There are six total cards in there and six by title, so they're all unique. And from a game perspective, it's only used during the campaign after playing the Sinister Six scenario. But of course, it's a modular encounter set, so it can get thrown into any game that you want to play. Yeah. All right. Have you guys put this set in as a modular just randomly yet? I have done it once or twice. Okay. And it is, it definitely ups the challenge on uh, minions. I think you and I did that, Steve, in a playthrough one time believe yeah we did oh, and uh, yes and uh Mika and i are both in the solo champions league right now in the current week of challenges there or the current uh, round is to add this modular set to the taskmaster so yeah that's oh, well this is a timely yeah because i've just guys. played like seven games so far with with these guys and and particularly with taskmaster i mean we'll we'll go into the cards more later but you can see why these guys will be particularly dangerous in that in that uh, encounter set. Yeah, all right. So we'll, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit of lore, and then we're going to look at the card. Now, we have talked about most of these characters maybe a few times. Like, we're looking at Electro yet again and Vulture again. Um, so what we've decided to do is we're each going to look at two, uh, talk about two, and we're going to talk about sort of their where are they now, what's their most current situation. We, we know their origins. So let's talk about their current stuff. And we're going to start with Dr. Octopus. And that is Mika, right? Me. Yep. Yeah. All right. Tell us, what's the man up to? So Dr. Octopus, a.k.a. Otto Octavius. Uh, Currently, he is in his lab in New York City working on a new scheme. Um, 
for his most recent show in the comics, we gotta actually go into Deadpool. Mm. So, turns out Deadpool is trying to join a uh, very elite assassins guild called uh, Atelier. I think it's French. I apologize if I butchered that. But so for his audition, the head of the guild assigns Deadpool to assassinate Doc Ock within 48 hours. So Deadpool goes to find Doc Ock and kill him. And he has to do a short detour because he gets kidnapped by someone called the Harrower. And he gets implanted with a piece of the Carnage symbiote to grow Carnage again. So Deadpool manages to get out of that, crashes into Doc Ock's lab, and tries to kill him. And as he's doing that, the Carnage symbiote starts popping out of various parts of Deadpool's body. And as Doc Ock is fighting off Deadpool, then Lady Deathstrike comes in and crashes through to try to kill him. Because it turns out Lady Deathstrike was was assigned as a partner to Deadpool to try to kill off Doc Ock. Well... Doc Ock and teams up with Harrower. They fight off Deadpool and Lady Deathstrike. And uh, Doc Ock decides to help Harrower try to uh, track down Deadpool and get the Carnage symbiote back. Never really clear why he does that, though. Uh, there's a lot of Deadpool shenanigans going on after that, including the resurrection of Cletus Cassidy and a giant puppy made out of symbiote. <laughs> um, Doc Ock says, I, I have, I've had enough and I just leave. But at the end of this, we found out that he was actually the one that put the hit out on himself for reasons oh. that we don't know. And he ends up receiving a box with mysterious vials in it with a note thanking him for keeping up his end of the bargain. Oh, so, very suspicious. Probably a lot coming from him. It's That's like a, cool. like a super villain salad of things just thrown in all over, tossed all over the place there in that one. Yeah. All right. All right. Shall we take a look at his card? Yeah. Read that card to us. All right. Dr. Octopus is a unique minion with two scheme, two attack, six hit points, the elite and genius trait, and both his scheme and attack have an asterisk next to it. He has insight two and villainous, so he gets a boost card whenever he attacks mm -hmm. or schemes, and a forced response. After Dr. Octopus activates against you, place one threat on each scheme. And he comes in with three boost icons. Now watch me, watch me trap a spider in a web of my own. A web made of my newfound arms. Okay, so he's, uh, he seems pretty good, huh? Yeah, I mean, Insight 2 is great. And then as soon as he activates, just one threat on every scheme that's in play. And that can, depending on the the scenario you've got it in that could be pretty bad yeah, i find that inside too to be really like bad that could really jack your plan up bad yeah the insight too is really nice and then the fact that he only has to activate against you in order to trigger his effect is pretty nice um yeah. cuz if you if you remember in the sinister 6 scenario he's a 2-2 two -two with after he attacks and damages you, you put one threat in every scheme. So this one's even better because yeah. he doesn't have to damage you and he can do it when he schemes. So I think this is an upgrade from his it villain card. Is. Well, and he's almost got as many hit points. Right. It's only two less. Yeah. So I, I will say, though, the insight two and the one threat in each scheme, it does diminish the more, num the more players you have in. 
because in solo one threat on each scheme is can be unpleasant right. but on four it's kind of a right. eh. yeah in four maybe it throws off your math that you had going oh i'll do this and you do that and then we'll clear it it's like oh well, okay we got to contribute just a little bit more to it but yeah i mean villainous that's, yeah. that's oh, nice yeah. so genius traded so uh he can get ingenuity on him right that's how that works yes exactly we do not have too many genius cards actually in the encounter sets so it's nice they're finally giving that out a little bit Definitely not on minions. No, yeah, I think I, I think he's probably one of the strongest ones in this modular set. All right. Well, why don't we look at some more? Um, I have Electro next, so let me tell you guys all about Electro. All right, his current situation: he's dead. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh, did, did you want to hear some more? Okay. I mean, okay. just that, that means that means nothing all right, in all right. Marvel, well, really. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, uh, well, Mika, you actually talked about this a little bit when you came on recently and talked about the Francine Fry version, where she yep. became the new Electro. So, mm-hmm. so this is the Max Dillon. Basically, at, uh, recent story, he was in jail. He gets broken out by Rhino along with Lizard at the behest of someone called Jackal. And Jackal and Lizard were going to give him his powers back because at this point he didn't have his powers. But he has a change of heart. He says, I don't want my powers back. And then he sees Francine. And he says, oh, okay, I'll go along with the plan. You can give me my powers back. And they do a whole procedure, and they try to zap him. with the, He's wearing a special suit, but it doesn't work. He doesn't get his powers back. But like you told us, when Francine comes kind of close to Max, she feels the power emanating from his suit. So she, she goes over to him. The, all the power starts to move from him to her. She lays a big wet one on him, and we know water is electric's mm. weakness. And all its power transfers from the suit into her, and that kills Max. Boom. He's dead. I'm sure it'll be permanent. Well, okay. So at the behest of someone named Kindred, uh, Dr. Octopus revives Electro once again. This time, he's revived with all his powers, somehow, okay? And he joins the new Sinister Six to wage war on the Savage Six, which is King Cobra, Rhino, Scorpion, Degron, the Dinosaur Man, Tarantula, and Vulture. So, yeah. So Electro's currently a member of this new Sinister Six. Okay. That's what I, I got. Mean, that, that really sounds interesting, <laughs> okay. too. And, I, and I've always liked Electro. He's been one of my favorite uh, Spider-Man rogues gallery villains for a long time. So it's just interesting to see what they're doing with him now, currently. It's a far cry from kind of where he was, yeah, right? I right. know. Honestly, that that lore just makes now me want a dinosaur man minion. Yes, I need to look up more about Stegron the dinosaur man. So I don't know why isn't just called like Stegosaurus or something. Everybody else is just named the animal part of this Savage Six. But okay. <laughs> so all right, well let me tell you about his card. Uh, Electro is a unique minion with a two scheme, a one attack, six hit points, the criminal and elite trait. He has Retaliate 1 and also Villainous. And with the Forced Response, after Electro engages you or activates against you, discard cards from the top of your deck until you discard an Energy or a Wild Resource. He has three boost icons with the quote, With my great power, nothing can stop me. I mean, except water. Well, yeah. Okay. drinks on the table. <laughs> right. Or kissing, apparently, either. Yeah. I like Retaliate with the 6 health. That's nice. Villainous is always oh, yeah. good. 
And then his first response is right on theme with all the rest of the Electro versions. He's making you discard cards. Uh, even when he engages you, which is really nice. Yeah. He doesn't have to attack. But if he does attack or scheme, you're going to discard till you hit a wild or a energy. I mean, most decks have an energy resource, right? Or at least a wild. But you could go a while for certain decks. Saying, yeah, I, I've played against him a couple of times. And it's, it's hit or miss. It either ends up being the top card or I end <laughs> up discarding like 10 cards before I find one. A lot of it depends on how you build your deck. You know, like what, what, are, you, what are you going for in your deck? Right, like, Bill, I've seen you play, like, Hulk with lots of right. physical so, resources. It's a deck the Hulk. Yeah. You might hit a wild, you know, signature allies and things like that typically always have a wild, but that could be in your discard pile. The only time I ever hit um, uh, energy resource with the Hulk is when I'm playing with the ally Hulk, it seems. Yeah, so it's like, oh, Hulk's right. dead. <laughs> he gets electrocuted. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Kills everybody else around him, too. Um, so, based off of the villain Electro, this guy, again, his hit points are almost there. He actually has a the same scheme and attack. Um, but that one you have to damage in order to discard seven cards. So this one's just engages you or activates. So it's pretty good, I think. So Yeah, definitely make the uh, heroes either waste their big attack. Not waste, but use up their big attacks or everybody has to gang up on these ones to... Yeah, to take him out. If you paper cut yeah. him, he's just gonna keep slicing back at you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, with the retaliate. Mm-hmm. I think that that little bit of uh, when he engages you triggers. That's kind of reminiscent of the Francine Fry version of Electro too, right? Doesn't oh, she? Yeah. If you engage when she engages you, her her ability triggers. Yeah, she grabs an energy resource out of your yeah. hand, and she gets more powerful with it. Well, we got another one here, Hobgoblin. Yep, that's me, and I will say, kind of going into this, that this is my least favorite of all members and all incarnations of the Sinister Six. I know he's he's got to be at the bottom of my list, but that's fine, because it gives me things to look at, research, talk about, and that's why we're here, right? So, so mm-hmm. I'm, glad, I'm glad you got the one you like the least. That's us. So I wasn't going to tell you that going in, but I was like, ah, oh, Hobgoblin, whatever. And you guys, did you guys talk about Hobgoblin? But you did. So, but to know where the Hobgoblin is now, you really kind of got to know where he came from. But that in itself is just a little bit murky because you know, the Hobgoblin made his debut in The Amazing Spider-Man back 40 years ago, issue 238 of Amazing Spider-Man. And, but whenever I think of Hobgoblin, I just always want to think about the Green Goblin because he's always been one of my favorite uh, villains in the Spider-Man role gallery. But, and I, I just kind of always viewed him as being a cheap spinoff of the Green Goblin. And that kind of makes sense that I'm not a real big fan of spinoffs because I, I was born in the early 70s and that was kind of an era of cheap, disappointing spinoffs, particularly on television. You know, like back in the day, you know, we all watched Happy Days, mm. right? So. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. Thursday, Friday, Happy Days. The weekend comes, my cycle humps, ready to race for you. Maybe you guys did, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how the Happy Days, but then, yeah, what was the spinoff? Of Joni Loves oh, Chachi, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I always kind of think about Hobgoblin as being like the Joni Loves Chachi of marvel comics <laughs> or you could probably think of other shows too like mash and that is a three's company 
You ever got watch that one with oh uh, yeah John Ritter? Yeah, and then what the Ropers? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you, you, yeah. you peel off the Hobgoblin's mask and yeah. Stanley Roper underneath, that's kind of what I think of the Hobgoblin. <laughs> it's just kind of a cheap. And and you know what the writers they kind of approached him that way that he was kind of a cheap knockoff because uh, when the writers were putting this together, they were getting pressure from up top. Uh, they really wanted Spider-Man to fight the Green Goblin again there in the early 80s. But the problem was Green Goblin was dead. And they didn't want to go through all the logistics to try to make up this new character. And so they made one that was similar to Green Goblin. So it's here's here's Hobgoblin for you. And John Romita Jr. gets credit for inventing this character. But for a long time, it was a mystery. You know, who is the Hobgoblin? I and mean, years went by. But in time, it was revealed that this character was, in fact, one of Peter Parker's co-workers, Ned Leeds. And if you read Spider-Man in the 70s, you know Ned was one of those characters whose life was always intertwined with Peter's there in the office. He worked there at the, the Bugle. And so it's not unlike a lot of other Peter Parker contemporaries who just kind of go nuts and switch to a life of crime. So, yeah, like I said, a few years went by. We didn't know it was Ned, mainly because Marvel was kind of in dissension. The writers were like, no, I don't want it to be him. I want it to, you know, and so they just kind of went back and forth. It wasn't near as interesting as like the Darth Vader reveal. It was like, okay, it's... Who is he? Who cares? But then later on in the 90s, Hobgoblin was retconned to be that Roderick Kinsley that Daniel was talking about in issue 166, a quiz show. So, um, yeah, okay. And that was a good show, by the way. Daniel was hitting on all cylinders that night. I think he saw my notes. Like he had the answers written on a sh- Yeah, I thought he had like the answers written on a shoe or something. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, yeah, uh, so why all this backstory? Well, we're doing. Where are they now? So as of November 9th, 2022, issue 13 of The Amazing Spider-Man, we're again talking about Peter Parker, and it's entitled Hobgoblin's Last Stand. So that's just a few months ago. And so Roderick Kinsley has again taken on the mantle of Hobgoblin, because we also learned in that episode there's like eight different Hobgoblins at least throughout time, right? They really could never settle, it felt like, on one character playing the Hobgoblin. Yeah, I think he like, Daniel mentions they like franchises the... I mean, maybe not in that term, but if you think about <laughs> yeah. it like that, because there's like a Phil Ulrich version. Yeah, he's like, um, uh, you know. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, there was just all kinds of stuff going on. But but this, but he was, but uh, Kingsley was joined by a second Hobgoblin in those issues, in that issue. And it was the resurrected Ned Leeds, which is kind of a long way to get around to talking about Ned Leeds again. And in true Spider-Man style, these two hobgoblins, they managed to beat Peter to a pulp. And then just as Ned, yeah, right? I mean, that's always happening. I get get shattered, you know, his clothes are torn. Uh, But just as Ned is getting ready to deliver the killing blow, and Ned's getting ready, he's got the the glider in his hand, he's getting ready to crush Peter Parker, Spider-Man is saved by Norman Osborn, Wearing the gold goblin, ah. uh, the traitor himself. You know, so yeah. yeah, here it is, Norman, and another color to a goblin. So, is this really truly Hobgoblin's last stand? Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But in the meantime, we can look at his card. So wait, are they are they dead? Defeated? Do the two of them flee or what? They, you know, they are defeated, and we don't know what happens to them. Okay. I don't know if uh, Ned goes back to being dead, but it's it's basically Hobgoblin's last stand, so they're, they're just going to put him okay. away for a while and probably bring him back out. 
when we for, when we just forgot oh, okay. about them. All so, right, all right. Anyway. Makes sense. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, Hobgoblin, uh, he is a minion with a scheme of one, attack of two, and there is a force response next to his attack, which says, after Hobgoblin attacks you, take two indirect damage. He is aerial with elite, six hit points. He's got the patrol keyword. He's also villainous like the rest. He has three boost icons. I think that's a theme mm-hmm. going through here. And it, and it says, you don't know how much I'm going to enjoy this on his card. So I'm glad he enjoys hitting us <laughs> yeah. with indirect damage. All right, so theme, I mean, he's, uh, he's flying around on patrol because he's aerial. They're all, he's villainous again. That's nice. And the two indirect damage is right mm-hmm. on theme for all the rest of the goblins, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's essentially what four damage. Yeah. So if you just got your hero out, and uh, he says after he attacks you, so you can't even block that indirect damage necessarily, right? So you have to do the attack first and then take the indirect damage. Yeah, he doesn't yep. have to damage you either, right? He just has to attack. So yeah, it's right. This is like again, this is almost better than his villain version. The stats are flipped, and in that one, he has to attack and damage you. To deal two indirect damage to you, so yeah, the, this yeah. one he just has yeah. to make the attack. So upgrade, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, and you can tell by his picture he's really enjoying it, <laughs> smiling. I don't. I'm. Yeah, he's happy. I'm not. I, it's like that Roper smile. After they introduced a while ago, but I'm still not overly impressed with the patrol keyword. I mean, yeah, there are times where it could come out and it loses you the game, but. It just seems like barely a bump in the road because you're going to have to deal with the minion anyway, more than likely. It, I think where where it comes into play, I mean, you you have guards, so you have to have patrol, I think, right? It, it sort oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Balances out. Um, but if patrol prevented you from removing threat from any scheme, that could yeah. be, instead of just the main, right? It's just the main scheme. It stops you from thwarting. It doesn't even prevent you from removing threat from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so non-thwarts can bypass patrol, um, which is different from the crisis, right? Because crisis says threat cannot be removed from the main scheme, but patrol says you cannot thwart the main scheme while engaged. Yeah, you have to go after it. I think where it kind of hits you is multiplayer games where the patrol minion is up against your justice player and the timing of, oh, I really want him gone. I need help from across the table. Well, I was going to use a basic attack to do that, but you can't because it's the wrong timing. I think maybe that's where it has the most impact. Yeah, I mean, this guy, villainous to attack and then to indirect damage. You're not leaving out long enough to where that patrol makes too much of an impact. I think you're right. Yeah. Again, it's number of players, right? We kind of talked about that earlier. So if you're playing a solo game and patrols out and you're getting ready to thread out and you've got acceleration i mean yep you know it's uh it could could really jam you uh and and you got to chew through like six of his health before you can even attempt to remove any threat from that main scheme so i've had i've had patrol give me some hurt in the past you know so I, i like it and i'm glad it's in the game um is there a lot of i didn't look to see how many there were is there a lot of minions that have that patrol um, not a ton, I don't think. Not, I think they're more guards than patrol. It still feels kind of new to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guards out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a crazy amount, but I, it's a good. It's a good number. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I think it's. It should be in the game. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if imagine like having like 
five or six minions out there with patrol on them, though. That would be... You oh, know, yeah, yeah. That would really mess your plan up. I think you can knock them all out. Uh, that sounds good. Lots of minions. Pretty straightforward guy. I mean, it's so far, a lot of these have been just kind of straightforward minions. Yeah, all right. Um, who is next? Who's next? Oops, it's Scorpion. Make I think that's you. Yeah, I, I, I got some information on, on Scorpion here. So Scorpion, a.k.a. Matt Gargan, he may or may not be dead. Okay. All right. So, more detail there. The last time we see him, uh, he is actually fighting alongside Miles Morales Spider-Man against uh, Cletus Cassidy and the what he has become now, the Extremeote? Uh, I don't know if they've given him a full name. Okay. Yes. So... Scorpion was out doing Scorpion business, trying to redistribute wealth from others to himself. And he gets taken down by Miles and thrown in jail. Well, a little while later, he breaks out of jail, gets himself a brand new Scorpion suit from a supervillain named Rabble, and goes up against Miles and Misty Knight. And he's got them on the ropes. But then the NYPD and an agent Gao show up and take him down. And they throw him back in jail, but they were so impressed by the fact that he got he escaped out of jail, they offered him a job. Hmm. So Cletus Cassidy, as everybody knows, is the original Carnage sim with the Carnage symbiote. Well, long story short, with him, he got kicked out, but he merged with the Extremeote, which is a symbiote dragon that the King in Black brought in that has been. Uh, treated with the extremist virus by Iron Man because, uh, let's face it, 90% of Marvel's uh, problems are all made by Iron Man. Yeah. Here, here. Um, and so Cletus merges with this Extremeote and then also a building. So he becomes one with a building and can, like, move and pop out in and out of places. And also he turns the uh, symbiote into a symbiote Iron Man armor. All right, so now that we've got that completely understandable situation there. <laughs> um, got, it, got it? I got it. <laughs> I don't have it. No, I'm sorry. It, it's, I heard it's, something about a moving building. It, right. it, is, <laughs> it falls under the bananas category. Yeah, yes, good, okay. I mean... You could have given this as lore and they would have thought this was fake, but... So Miles goes to the building that that Cletus is bonded with, and um, and he ends up basically just about being killed by by this Carnage Extremeote thing. Um, Scorpion is sent in there by the NYPD as part of his new job to go take down Cletus, and um, Scorpion has some issues with Carnage because he crushed his spine at one point. Uh, so. Scorpion goes in there, starts uh, knocking heads and all that, and he ends up saving Miles Morales accidentally. He didn't necessarily mean to. He actually thought the Spider-Man that was there was the Peter Parker Spider-Man, so he was a little disappointed to go, oh, it's you I saved. Okay. But what he does do is distract uh, Cletus long enough for Miles to muster his strength up and do some kind of super Venom Blast punch Straight to the, I guess, uh, symbiotic arc reactor that is in there, which causes it to overload and explode. 
And the last we see, and this is in Carnage Reigns Alpha number one, the last we see is the building exploding, and we don't know if Miles or the Scorpion has survived. I'm going to go out a limb and say they do. So they get them right in the foundation, or right in the boiler room. (laughs) Bang! Um, Yep. How come they don't send the wrecking crew in after this building? Uh, That would make too much sense. Okay. Uh, I I don't necessarily believe anything you just told us. (laughs) I gotta ask, does the building, like, is it like the lights in the windows light up to give it a smiley face and make it talk? No, I think it, I think it used to be like an orphanage that he was part of, but now he's merged with it. So like he can make copies of himself and they like pop in and out of walls and he can show up all over the place. it's mm. weird. And if Scarlet, Scarlet Rhodey shows up and tells me I'm all wrong, I wouldn't doubt it at this point. I may have fever dreamed the whole thing. <laughs> I like it. So we need a good bananas character. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So taking a look at the Scorpion card, uh, Scorpion is another unique minion. One scheme, three attacks, six hit points with the brute and elite trait. He has toughness and villainous. And a force response after Scorpion attacks and damages a character, stun that character. If it is already stunned, deal two damage to it. And he comes with three boost icons. So this one is really similar to his um, Sinister Six. And they did unfortunately give him that uh, handicap of he has to attack and damage. Yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, he's got attack of three, and it just seems like he's he's one that whenever he comes out on the table, that I kind of really want to prioritize getting rid of, just because of the damage potential, yeah. and I don't like being stunned, extra oh. damage dealt. Yeah, and six hit points with toughness is uh, yeah. right. nice. Yeah. Giving him a chance to actually get off a activation. Yeah, it, which is interesting, because his original Scorpion from a mess of things also has three attack with after Scorpion attacks and damages the character, stun that character with the three attack, but he has quick strike. So he pops out and gets off an attack. This version, mm. he, he doesn't have that quick strike, but he has that toughness. So he'll hopefully he sticks around. Mm. Um, but his scheme in this is only a one, uh, which is better than his villain card, but it is two points worse than his original minion card. So, mm. oh wow, yeah, and that one he's a three three. So I, he's the star of that show. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's given Mac a little bit too much credit. He's he doesn't seem like he's a a, a heavy schemer. He's uh, yeah, he's I more agree. of a rhino type. Just smash things up. Yeah, I mean he has the brute keyword on this one. So always uh, loves seeing the brutes. And and let's talk about the art for a second. Is this him saving Miles Morales from the building? I don't think that's him saving him. I, I think that mm. is uh, him attacking him. It seems like Scorpion's, uh, I don't know if he's still bothering Peter Parker, but he's almost kind of become a little bit more of a Miles uh, rogue gallery now. Uh, they fought a little bit during the uh, King and Black series as well. So, uh, And Scorpion doesn't really like him. So, And it makes sense that Miles is in the... Artwork because he's in the box, right? And this is a campaign card, so yeah. I'm gonna pretend that he's saving Miles there, um, saving in quotes, right? Yes, yeah. But okay, three boosts, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we got another guy here. That's we'll move on to uh, Craven the Hunter, and this one's mine. Uh, so 
Craven's current situation, he's also dead. Sensing a theme. Yeah, I mean, what do you want? He's dead. That's it. Fine, I'll tell you more. Bummer. <laughs> I'll tell you more. I'll tell you more. Okay. He's, he's, it's happened to him before. So, yeah, yeah, all right. So, the most recent piece here with Craven is he sets up this elaborate hunt in Central Park because, you know, Central Park is very wild. So, uh, with a bunch of animal themed villains that are now known as the Savage Six King Cobra, Rhino, Scorpion, Stegron the Dinosaur Man, Tarantula, and Vulture. Okay. Hmm. This hunt is for like super wealthy men with no self awareness or morals. Uh, Right, they use these special cybernetic implants to control robots to hunt down the animal villains in the park. And the robots have like a haptic feedback, so if the robots get blown up, the guys controlling them could die too. And just you know, for good measure, part of this hunt, they throw in Spider Man too. He's there too. Oh, yeah, naturally. Yeah, um, yeah. So currently, at this point in Craven's storyline, he's cursed. I don't know how or why or I I didn't go back, but he's currently cursed. Okay, he decides he's going to put himself into the hunt, and he's going to go after Spider Man while these rich guys are hunting this Savage Six, and he wants Parker to kill him and end his suffering and end the curse. But Spider Man is a coward and he won't do it. We know he you know he just he doesn't kill, so he doesn't do it um, with a pillow or. Yeah, yeah, not a nothing. He uh Spider-Man ends up teaching Craven a lesson that compassion is a powerful trait. It's like something to do with this elaborate plot where he had Dr. Connors and little Billy Connor Jr. and his own son known as the last son of Craven. This big scheme that doesn't work out for anyone involved. <laughs> um except Spider-Man who ends up teaching Craven this lesson before like any real damage is done nobody really gets hurt and the hunt craven ends up saying yeah you're right spider-man and he ends the hunt uh prematurely and i've learned my lesson you're right all about compassion and nobility and blah 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 whatever all that that garbage but so after spider-man leaves craven puts on spider-man's suit i don't know where he got the suit he steals it took it from him he had a copy i don't know so he takes, uh, he puts Spider-Man's suit on, and deep down inside, now that he's been taught this lesson by Spider-Man, he becomes Spider-Man. Uh, Craven says, "I'm, I'm really Spider-Man now, like in my core, and I got to go and fight my last son." So the Craven goes after his son, who's really pretty bad guy, and the two fight each other, and the last son of Craven kills Craven, while Craven is channeling Spider-Man. We'll say. So that lifts the curse that truly kills Craven, and they bury Craven at his estate wearing the Spider-Man suit, and his son takes on the new mantle of the new Craven, mm. the Hunter. Okay, I was yeah. wondering where Death uh, came in mm. with all the moral stories and everything, but yeah, okay, I see how that can happen. Yeah. Craven's got some personal issues. I think uh, he needed to work through therapy. Might have been a better choice. It sounded, yeah, it sounded like a lot like um, back in the late '80s. They had Craven's Last Hunt. I actually have that graphic novel, and it's it's almost sounds like kind of a reversal of that. Because in that in that particular uh, book, 
uh, Craven tranquilizes Spider-Man, buries him in the ground. He puts on the spider suit. He goes around town, but he's not behaving like Spider-Man. He's like going nuts on people. Okay. And then Spider-Man comes back. So, and then in the end, kind of the same result, Craven's dead. So it just sounds like kind of almost like a, a callback to that original story. Craven's yeah, when you look hunt. at his yeah, when you look at his storylines, there's like Craven's hunt, the great hunt, the grand hunt, the other adjective hunt. Um, there's he has all these storylines that have to do with hunting because mm-hmm. that's what he is. He's Craven the hunter. I'll be honest, I'm still trying to wrap my head about why they chose Central Park for this animal villain themed hunt. Yeah, somehow he like I don't know if he he ropes it off, electrifies it off, puts a force field around it. Somehow he contains the hunt to Central Park. So only those inside can be inside kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. I guess that's where, I mean, if it's not in New York, it's not really happening, I guess. I, su- I suppose so. Yeah. It's yeah. the only Every- place where there's trees. In New York. Yeah. New York city is the center of the entire universe. So. All right. Well, uh, Craven's card here. Let's see. Um, Craven, the hunter. It's a unique minion with one scheme two attack six hit points. He only has the elite trait. It's the only one in the set with a solo trait. He is steady, however, and villainous. With the force response, after Craven the Hunter attacks and damages a character you control, discard one upgrade or support you control. Three boost icons, and he says, my knives and skills are sharpened. Okay. Uh, steady. I mean, which I, seems I, like I, a, I don't care on a minion as much. Yeah. But the uh, villainous with the attack... If he damages someone you control, so if you chump block, he's killing a support or upgrade, which is, let's go tempo hit, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. And I like that it is either or, because I know some of those, it's like, discard a support you control. Ha, joke's on you, I don't have any. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, if you could, we look back at his villain again, um, that one has nine hit points, and same stats, and Craven has to attack and damage you, and you choose and discard to support or upgrade your control. So, but in that one, he has to damage you. Um, in this one, he just has to damage a character you control. So, the, again, the minion's like better. Yeah, I, I just would maybe a, a little bit more scheme on his card. So, because whenever I've had him out on the table, I just kind of flip down to my alter ego form until I can get a big swipe at him flip back up so if, they, if he was a little bit more threatening because he is he's a hunter you know that's what they do they just kind of hide and spring out at you whenever you're least expecting it if it felt more like that like he was being more of a threat in your alter ego form where it kind of flushes out your hero to get rid of him um almost feel like that could have been a nice little touch on this card yeah i mean even if he's scheming a lot of the cards in this set have a three boost so he could put a lot of Thread out for true, you. True. Even at yeah. a one villainous. So I don't know. I I like him. I think it's a pretty good minion. Yeah, nice, so. yeah, nice pose, right? Oh, he's got a great yeah. vest. Look at that yeah. vest. Well, look at the, yeah, the look angle. Good. Daniel appreciate the angle of this artwork. Yeah, more uh, modest. Yeah. It is, uh, he's he's a good minion. He's a good minion. All right, we have one left. Bill, All right, take let's... us out here with this last one. Talk about the vulture. So. Anytime I want to do deep dives into a villain, I always pull out the old Critical Encounters podcast, right? <laughs> so you and mm. Daniel discussed... Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, so far it's not led me astray. Okay. So okay. 
feel like it does the thing. So you and Daniel discussed Vulture way back in issue number 24. And which one are we on now? 174. So that's 150 episodes ago. Wow. I actually went back whenever you reached out to me. I was like, I'm going to listen to that episode. And you guys sounded so young all the way back then. (laughs) But uh, back then we learned, that was back in July of 2020. You guys have been going for a while. Yeah, season one, volume yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we learned back in that episode that there were two vultures. The first one was revealed back in 1963, which is 60 years ago. It always seems to be like 60 or 40 or 50 years ago. But uh, this is the older version of the vulture who is Adrian Toomes. Uh, the other one was a fellow named Blackie Drago. So he was in prison with Toomes. He got out, took the mantle of the vulture but he was a much younger version of the vulture. So he was about 30 years old or so. But did you know that there's at least one other version of the vulture in that same timeline or universe? That's that earth. I think it's six, one, six. And this vulture. No, yeah, you, I knew blackie, but I, I didn't know there there's was a, a third, third one. one. Yeah, yeah. I found a third one. And so this was a vulture that was revealed to us in an issue called the dark wings of death. And it was Amazing Spider-Man 127 from December 1993. So if we're going to do this is where they are now, I'm just going to have to hop in the time machine and back up to 1973. So (laughs) what's up with this vulture? Well, his name is Dr. Clifton Shalott, and he worked in the biophysics department as an instructor at Empire State University. And this is again during a time when Adrian Toomes was in prison and his magnetic wingsuit that he wears was taken to the university to be studied. Uh, but this professor Shalott, his course was canceled. And so like any good professor, he snapped and he used his expertise in biomutation uh, techniques to transform himself into a physical duplicate of the vulture. And in one of the panels in that comic book, you can actually see him putting on the suit and entering into this mutation chamber. So during that mutation, uh, this Professor Shalott, he starts to develop genuine claws, and he has fangs, terrible-looking fangs, that are so powerful that they're able to tear through Spider-Man's webbing. And the wings, the wingsuit that he has on when he goes into that chamber is now grafted to his body. Uh, he also becomes very vicious. He develops paranoia. And he knows that his lab assistant, Christine Murrow, could expose him for what he's doing, so he attempts to kill her, but he instead murders her roommate, Gloria Jenkins. And that's how Peter Parker gets involved, because Mary Jane Watson witnessed the murder, and she became Shalott's next target, which led him into this conflict with Spider-Man. And so they fought several times over a a short period, over the next couple of days. Uh, And then Spider-Man finally, uh, having figured out who Shalott is and why he's the the, uh, vulture, he injects in him an antidote to reverse his mutation. And so Shallot was arrested, presumably still in prison for that murder that he caused. So that's just Mm -hmm. kind of a a third vulture that was squeezed in during that time period. Now he was never a part of the sinister six, but we did learn back in issue 24, Steve, that vulture had been in every version of the sinister six. And so I'm, I'm glad they put him in this yeah. car, you know, oh, yeah. in this game. But he left us <laughs> yeah. with a cliffhanger in that episode that never got an answer to it. And yeah, 150 later, let's finally get that oh, thing yeah. flushed out. So uh, <laughs> a question 
that you asked Daniel was you made the statement that uh, Vulture had always been a part of the Sinister Six, but that there was another one who was in every rendition of the Sinister Six. And Daniel answered incorrectly, but we never did get the answer. And so here after 150 issues, can you fill in the blank for me? Or I'll, I'll try guessing. It wasn't Tombstone. That's what Daniel said. Okay. It was, I think it was Electro. Was it Electro? I believe the... But you know, there's still listeners that go back and listen to those old episodes. So... I'm sorry. Yeah, there are. Uh, I know there are. You got. I've heard people say that they have like listened to them straight through to get caught up. And I'm like, that's, that's yeah, 160 that's episodes in a row? I mean, I, I got in here late, so I had to catch up, but it wasn't anything like that. All right, well, there's a card. Why don't you tell us? Well, let's look at it. So here we got the Vulture is a minion. He has a scheme and attack of one each. He has a force response, which says, after Vulture activates against you, discard one random card from your hand. I hate that. Um, he has the aerial tr- and elite traits. He has quick strike. There he is, quick strike. Villainous. And he said, nobody hates the wall crawler like I do. Three boost. That's his card. I'd like to pause for a moment to uh, just reflect on how horrifying the art is on Vulture there. Yeah. Maybe that's the shallot. <laughs> his fingers look like they could be claws. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. when I read those issues, he was pretty pretty rough. I mean, he just swoop in, pick people up, take them off, murder folks. So, I mean, he's uh, Vulture's got a real issue. It comes through in the art. Quick Strike, just like his original version, which is the nemesis for Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. And that one, he's just a three-attack Quick Strike. There was no such thing as villainous yet. Um, and that's that's deadly. That that three that on that one, yeah. He had less hit points. He only had four back in the day. Um, fewer boost icons. But this is the ability is reminiscent to his villain, which is the same thing. Discard a card if he damages you. Um, I mean, one attack with villainous. So he could he could still do damage, right? Uh, with one with some of these high boost cards in the pack. Well, I mean, he doesn't even have to do damage, really. It's it's that whole random card, which is the worst way to lose cards. Oh, it is it is activate against you. Sorry, I thought it was activate to damage you. I, I... so yeah, it's even better. All he has to do is attack, and, and he has and... quick strike. So boom, right off the bat, he shows up to this yes. thing. Oh, he doesn't even have to attack. He can scheme too. Yes, that's true. A quick strike going off. That's what takes it takes it right out of your hand when he shows up. Yeah. yeah. I'm still waiting for the uh, scheming version of quick strike, though. Mm. Yes. Quick scheme or... Rapid scheming. Smart thinking. Yeah. Fast thinking. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty good. Yeah. I like him. I like, uh, you know, I don't like him. Yeah, I don't like playing do. against him because I don't like losing a card out of my hand. That's usually what you're... It's generally the one that you want. Oh, yeah. It goes away. Yeah. It's random. Quick strike with a forced response is just a, is such a annoying but fun combo. Yeah, it's chef's kiss right yeah. there. Boom. It gets to come out, do his thing. It doesn't matter what happens after that, you know. <laughs> Quick strike on all these guys, you know. If you house ruled it that way, you know. <laughs> Ooh. I was going to say, there's, yeah, there's no, like... 
some of them, one's a criminal, one's a genius, one's aerial. So there's no like other modular set that would play into it and give you a bonus because there's ones out there that play off a criminal or this or that. But you know, they're they're sort of their own thing. Um, yeah, you'd have to house rule it, but oof, yeah. that'd be rough. Without a house ruling, what do we think of this as a complete set? It's really strong. It's just nothing but minions um, that are not going to be easy to jump through. Um, you gotta you gotta dedicate some time to it. Um, I'm, I, it's a little bit of a shame that the teamwork keyword came out after them because oh, yeah, teamwork on these would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what you need. Not the quick strike. Just give them all teamwork, and you're uh, you're good to go. I might have to try that just house ruling and just see how awful that is. You can't argue. This is a strong, strong modular set. I mean, you want to put some some hard-hitting minions in your deck. There you go. Throwing this one in. And And reboost icons at every single card. Every one. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. talking earlier in, like, Taskmaster. So whenever you play Taskmaster, you got to flip, discard an encounter card. I get the three all the time. Because uh, Taskmaster's oh, yeah. got, I yep. think he's got some threes in his kit. And then you add these in there. And I was playing Rocket the other day, and so Rocket starts with nine health, I believe. And immediately you're at six just for flipping against these guys. You know. Yeah, I understand why they didn't include it as part of the campaign. Uh scenario but it would have been nice i think to have some kind of side scheme with this mm-hmm. maybe that fetched somebody when revealed or when defeated or something or you can't remove threat while a uh, sinister six is out or something mm-hmm. like that yeah but it does yeah. uh it does work with in the campaign very well in the in the mm-hmm. sets that it gets shuffled in with so yeah that could be real especially if you get all these guys like and you're in the campaign and you just manage to get them all somehow our lord just turns them all up yeah for campaign which we haven't done on the show yet but at the end of the sinister six scenario any of the villains that are still in play you'll take their corresponding minion card and shuffle it into venom goblin when you play venom goblin so um high boost with big minions makes that even more difficult you definitely don't want to leave these guys around those guys around on the table no and they're hard to remove. Six hit points is, uh, you know, it's a good number. Yeah. So it's, a dedica- it's a dedication to remove them. Uh, you know, especially the one with tough. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is high enough that it has to be one of your big attack cards if you want to take them out in one shot. It's a little bit hard to talk about just because all of the cards are just so very straightforward, you know. It's a minion. It does this. It's got this. It's got this. They all have villainous on them. They all have three boosts. So, you know, as far as like talking material, they're pretty straightforward. Not a lot of uh, fancy things to talk about. But um, but when you when they come out in the game, they certainly make a difference on the table, especially in solo, as I'm finding. Yeah, they don't. Um, like you said, they don't like combo off each other. Uh, there's no shenanigans that they're doing with each other's card. It's just each card individually is good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So give them, give them a grade letter grade. What do you think? I'd give this one definitely an A. I'll give it an A too. Lots of big minions, lots of boost cards or lots of boost icons. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. That's a good grade to give it. And keeping in mind that this is primarily designed for a campaign. You know, it's not, you can put it in, in your encounter deck as a modular set, 
but it's not really the original intent for it. So considering that it's as powerful as it is, I think A is a good good grade for this one. Yeah, this has a feel of a uh, back of the pack where it's not required in any scenario. That's that's where it loses points for me. Is there is no scenario that says you must play with this set. Mm-hmm. So people who don't do that will never get the joy of playing against the Sinister Assault. So Ooh, this could be this could be fun in the the actual Sinister Six and deal with it the same rules as the um uh the Mutant Genesis campaign yeah, that... where with the uh, the Brotherhood where if the villain's out and a minion comes out then the villain just activates against you. Yeah, that'd be great. Ooh, that's a good that's a good rule cuz uh you want those villains activating in the Sinister Six scenario so that the counter will move and they'll trigger their things. Yeah, uh, that's good. That's a nice one. All right. All right. I think we have uh, talked about this set. Uh, Guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks for filling in for Mike and Daniel. Um, I don't know. Maybe those guys might be, their jobs are in trouble. We're going to have to have a conversation with HR and, you know, see where, where, where are they? They No call, no show. And, you guys stepped in and did a wonderful job. So, well, thanks, Steve, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah same. Thanks for letting me see uh, outside the basement dungeon area. It's beautiful up here. Yeah, don't get, don't get too comfortable. I mean, you know, uh, I never do. Okay, well, Mika, why don't you tell us how the folks can get a hold of us? Sure. Folks can get a hold of us by emailing us at criticalencounterspod at gmail dot com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Board Game Lawyer, and Makeup. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Scorpion, take us out. Spider-Man's last stand? I wouldn't miss it for the world. Hopefully I didn't babble on too much about uh, Doc Ock and uh, Scorpion. No, I was going to, I almost was going to be like, and he's dead. (laughs) Okay, move on. Like, really? That's it. He's dead. (laughs) I was impressed that both of them were dead. How many of these are dead? Electro, Craven, possibly Scorpion. Many versions of the Hobgoblin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were really able to dig into the bananas. Which ones are dead? It depends on the day of the week.